sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. One of the dividing lines among conservative Christians who value religious freedom and are working for religious freedom is the extent to which various businesses and and Christian organizations have the right to exclude from services based on faith principles. And most of the focus of that has been on values about marriage and sexuality and the relationship to the LGBTQ plus community. But now we're seeing some crossover, something that some of us have been concerned about for some time, the potential that if you give the right to discriminate on the basis of religion, just how far is that going to go? Our guest today, Alex Luchanitzer, who serves as Associate Legal Director of Americans United for Separation of Church and State, a very interesting discrimination challenge now pending in court. Alex, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Alan. I appreciate it. I'm very interested, very concerned about this case when I saw it. So tell me what's going on. Sure. So we represent Elizabeth and Gabriel Rutenram, along with six Tennessee taxpayers. So Elizabeth, Liz and Gabe wanted to foster and adopt a child. Liz, unable to have children of her own because of a medication that she takes uh, to control a chronic condition. So after Liz and Gabe decided they wanted to adopt, they identified a boy in Florida with a uh, disability. They were very excited about the boy. He appeared to be resilient to them to have uh, overcome the, the disability. So uh, Elizabeth Gabe started the adoption process and to foster and then adopt a child out of state, Elizabeth Gabe are in Tennessee. So to foster and adopt a child out of state, uh, they needed to receive a training class required by the Tennessee Department of Children's Services and a home study. And the only... Uh, agency that was willing to provide those services for an out-of-state adoption in the geographic area they, where they lived, the Knoxville, Tennessee area, was an agency called Holston United Methodist Home for Children, which is a, a Christian-affiliated agency. And the Root and Rams, they, they told Holston that they were Jewish, and initially it didn't seem that it would be a problem. Uh, but day that the Root and Rams were scheduled to start uh, their foster parent training, they received an email from an employee at Holston that, that Holston wouldn't serve them because uh, the Root and Rams are Jewish. And uh, it turns out that Holston only serves Christians. In, in fact, they don't even serve all Christians. They uh, only serve Christians who are willing to assign a very detailed statement of faith that uh, contains a whole host of statements that I think many Christians wouldn't be able to uh, agree to. Uh, so Holston did refer the Rudin Rams to another agency that Holston said 
well, this other agency can help you, but it turned out that that agency uh, wasn't willing to provide the training and home study services for a out-of-state foster to adopt process. So because of that, Rudin Rams weren't able to adopt the a three-year-old boy in Florida who about whom they were very excited. So this was no other agency in the state that they could go get certified to uh, to do an out-of-state adoption? This was the only agency in the Knoxville area um, that uh, was willing to provide those services for an out-of-state adoption. For, part of the reason for that is that um, most of the agencies uh, want um, foster parents to serve as foster parents of uh, you know multiple children that are in the foster system that haven't had their uh, rights terminated. So it's not... It's not, it doesn't economically for, uh, you know, it appeared that economically for the other agencies that Rudin Rams contacted, and they contacted a good number of agencies in the Knoxville area that it wasn't attractive to serve them because, uh, the Rudin Rams wanted to just do one, one. foster care mm-hmm. placement that they would then adopt a child. And it's much more economical for agencies if, uh, if the parents take in lots of foster children. Sure. And I'm very familiar with that. When I was in practice in New York many years ago, I did some of that assigned, well, assigned counsel work and some work uh, with foster parents. And they were typically serial foster parents, if you will, and fostering a number of children. So I, I understand how that works. Well, the prospect of, uh, okay, so Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, Tennessee has a statute that protects agencies like this one and gives them a right to make faith-based decisions in terms of who they serve, right? That's correct, and we're challenging that statute in this lawsuit. Tennessee's statute says that a child-placing agency, even if it receives public funds like Holson does, the child-placing agency is still permitted to discriminate based on a religion-based policy. So um, a child-placing agency, if it's if it has a religious policy that says, well, we, we disapprove of uh, serving people of a different religion, then the child-placing agency could refuse to serve those people. If the child-placing agency policy has a policy of saying, well, we, we disapprove of serving same-gender couples, then the child placing agency can refuse to serve them. A child placing agency could even refuse to serve a mixed race couple under the statute if it has religious beliefs that uh, disapprove of uh, mixed race uh, marriage or uh, mixed race couples uh, uh, fostering or adopting children. You know, so uh, this is- we, going back to the 1990s, you may recall there was a series of cases around the country one in Massachusetts, one here in California. Uh, I think there was one up in Alaska dealing with housing discrimination and whether Christians could discriminate in rental housing against unmarried couples or same-sex couples. And the debate that we had within our faith community as Seventh-day Adventists had to do with, well, you know, if you can exclude gay couples, can 
you know, because you say, or an unmarried couple was our case in California, because you say, well, it would be a sin for me to rent to an unmarried couple. I'd somehow be participating in their sin. Uh, what about not renting to a Sabbath-observing family, Seventh-day Adventists, who may have a different belief than a Christian who attends and worships on Sunday? Uh, could they also say, well, I'd be participating in Sabbath-breaking if I rented to them? And we are very concerned that if you protect uh, the rights to deny services on the basis of religious beliefs, that it would lead just here, where you are in this case, to religious discrimination. And that goes back, you know, more than 25 years ago. And, and so when I saw this case that you're doing, uh, it was kind of deja vu and, and very, very concerning to me that now we're saying religious discrimination is okay. At least some states are. Tennessee is, for example. That's right. Alan, and this is, uh, in some ways, what we have here is even uh, more troublesome than the uh, situation with rental housing because here uh, the discrimination is being subsidized with the taxpayer money. Uh, taxpayers uh, like the Root and Rams are essentially being forced to underwrite discrimination against themselves. And uh, public funds that are paid by all taxpayers should be made available to all taxpayers equally, regardless of uh, what religion they are or uh, what other characteristics they have. Well, and, you know, in, in the California housing case I was involved in, um, a Presbyterian woman by the name of Evelyn Smith had four duplex apartments. And so, uh, you know, if somebody couldn't rent her apartment, she was hardly the only game in town, right? Uh, so the, you know, when you look at balancing everybody's rights and interests and saying, well, can we make room for everybody? Maybe yes, if you're a small landlord, but here clearly your facts, uh, as you present them are, they were unable to adopt this child because of the conduct of this agency. They could not get anyone else to provide the service for them if this agency didn't do it. And that's particularly concerning to me if you just have that kind of an impact on... Right. That's right, Alan. This illustrates uh, the harms that are result from this type of discrimination. Uh, children who need loving homes might be denied those homes and might languish in the system. And parents who want to become foster or adoptive parents uh, might uh, be discouraged by discrimination they experience and might uh, uh, just uh, decide not to attempt to adopt or foster altogether. Um, the root and rams here did not give up, and they, um, they did become foster parents, and they've had a number of uh, foster children in their home, although they have not, they have not yet been able to uh, complete an adoption. But uh, we've, uh, they and we have received reports of uh, you know, other parents just uh, uh, giving up entirely after they experienced uh, discrimination. And the foster kids that the Rutan Rams are fostering, were they in-state? They had to give up on this one three-year-old child and, and look to in-state fostering? That's right. They're all in-state children. So they have one long-term placement, and they've had about 10 short-term placements. And that was initially a situation they wanted to avoid because they initially wanted to 
uh, be able to foster to adopt a child whose uh, parental rights had already been terminated because they were afraid of uh, forming an emotional attachment to the child and then having the child taken away. Mm-hmm. So now they're facing those that very risk with what they're doing and not being forced to do. You know, we lawyers have a concept we're taught in law school about the difference, you know, uh, like, for example, in real estate, you know, each piece of real estate is unique. And so you don't just get monetary damages. If there's a breach of contract, you can enforce a contract and actually take possession of, of the property that you had contracted to, to purchase. And, you know, children, obviously, they're not widgets. You can't just, you know, exchange one for another. And so to say, well, you know, okay, you couldn't adopt this this three-year-old with disabilities in Florida, but you got to foster other kids here in, in Tennessee. Well, no, kids are not widgets. They're not just like you can trade them like that. It's, it's not the same thing, is it? No, no, it's not. I mean, it's a very good point. The Haroon Rams I mean, lost the ability to you know, adopt the particular child that they were very excited about, that they wanted to welcome into uh, a loving family. Um, I mean, it appears that that particular child's child is not available any longer from what we understand. Well, this is a cutting edge case, friends. Our guest today, Alex Luchnitzer, Associate Legal Director of Americans United for Separation of Church and State. We're going to see the extent to which the courts will, will permit uh, these kind of foster and, and uh, adoption agencies to discriminate on the basis of religion pursuant to a Tennessee law. Alex, thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Alan. We really appreciate your work. Friends, as we close, remember at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help workers suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at www.churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed, get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association, producer of Freedom's Ring, on the web at religiousliberty.info. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.